You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by 2019 NLC Orlando Fellow. Dr. Laura McGuire is here. She's a published author. She's an educator. You'll definitely want to tune in. So let's get to it. All right, Laura, how do you describe what you do for a living? Ah, excellent question. I am a sexologist. I am an educator. I am a now seminarian. I'm going to seminary, even though I thought I'd never go back to school. And I'm an author. I just wrote a book, Creating Cultures of Consent, a guide for parents and educators. I love to talk to NLC alumni who are are authors. Uh, When did the idea start to publish a book? What was the genesis of the of the concept originally? Ah, well, I actually, this is kind of an interesting story. I got two book contracts within two weeks of each other in the winter of 2018. So the first one was based off of, I co-authored a chapter in a textbook and loved it, thought, what if I wrote a book? I write articles all the time. It's a huge part of my um, livelihood. And so I reached out to a whole bunch of people and it was like months and months and months of process. That that contract was really hard. But this one was kind of the opposite. I wrote an article. It was published in Edutopia about sexual misconduct in K-12 schools and what educators can do about it. And within 15 minutes of it going live, I got a call from a publisher in New York saying he turned it into a book. So, yeah, that was exciting. But it was also um, a really interesting lesson in the two pathways you can kind of take to getting a book contract and uh you know how those both came about i'm sure you get asked a lot of questions about what you do for a living i'm sure there's probably some patterns to those questions and how people respond what kind of things do you you see when you share what you actually do for a living yeah so i think when i talk about my work in sexual trauma or misconduct or consent uh, a lot of times there's either one or two reactions. So either number one, they say, oh, that's so needed. That's so awesome. I love what you do. Or they're like, wow, that sounds really depressing. I hate how politically correct we've become. And now everybody gets in trouble for everything they say, right? So it's kind of this dichotomous response. Um, But I try to make both of those opportunities to engage in conversation about, well, let's clarify maybe some of those misconceptions. Or if they're supportive, well, here's some things that you can be doing in your life to further this movement. So teaching consent, think about, uh, I guess probably most people are picturing maybe like uh, sex education in, in high school. I know for me as a, as a teacher, top fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, we would do that uh, at about that age range and it tend to be more biological. But yeah, I'm curious how you, uh, maybe what you're inspired by or what you see taking root in terms of really successful education about consent and, and how folks are finding success, teaching, uh, seeking consent and getting consent as an actual skill. Yeah. So, so that's exactly it. You, you hit the nail on the head with that word skill, right? So we're really trying to get this to be shifted from a focus on liability or compliance or just being focused on sexuality, right? Even though I'm a sexologist, it's so much more than in the spectrum of sex and intimacy. So it's getting people to see it as a life skill. Right. And then the other aspect I try to get people to engage with, particularly adults who are teaching it, is that there are these different frameworks for moral education that we can implement in this as well. Right. And that's really helping guide students on their own personal thought process and 
ways of knowing of what consent looks and feels like to them in their culture and their experiences, right? In those intersectional identities and leading them to this kind of certain end goal of understanding certain competencies around consent, but not forcing them to, you know, again, comply or else or telling horror stories and getting people to be afraid, you know, of, of consent or sexuality, but making it something that's engaging and again, really organic thought process in the young person's development and then having those conversations throughout their life. So one of the common mistakes is people wait until college or high school or even middle school. You want to start in elementary school with talking about boundaries and bodily autonomy and how to have those kind of interpersonal connections that are respectful and safe and produce accountability and consent ultimately. And on this consent education piece, you know, what ways do you see uh, the scaffolding happen? You know, what does this look like uh, at an early age for someone that's five, someone that's eight, uh, someone that's 13? Uh, how does all yeah. that come together? Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what we want to try to get people to do. And in the book, it really breaks it down age by age, what you'd be talking about. Um, for parents in particular, there's questions they can talk about with their kids um, and then for educators kind of thinking about curriculum and how that would evolve. Right. So yeah, starting, starting around 18 months old, a child knows the word no. So you truly can, right. Start to have these reflections and experiences. For example, they go to pet um, a cat, right. In somebody's house that they don't know. And you have to say, well, I don't know if that cat or dog wants to be touched right now? How do we tell if it feels comfortable? Maybe we, you know, make sure that there's some nonverbal communication between us and the animal that it wants us to approach it. Or if it's showing us signs, it's not, we back off, right? So that sounds so simple. That sounds like, well, that has nothing to do with sexuality when you're an adult. But of course it does, right? Because those are the same principles. How do I respect other people? How do I, even if they're not saying no, how do I read if they might be uncomfortable? How do I facilitate authentic communication? And so throughout those early years, you're building that groundwork. And then as you get older, you're saying, okay, remember all those things we built upon? Now you're going to apply that to intimate relationships. When we come back, we'll keep talking with Laura about life as a published author and also a little bit about her NLC experience. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. So once the book is out, uh, I imagine you, you want people to read the book. Uh, how maybe uh, make some money on the book too? Yeah, how does the, the, the publishing side of things work? Give us a little bit of insight into how uh, you navigate that world. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, it really is trying to get the messages out there, especially if you're writing a book that is based on something that really is your passion. Um, like for me, I often frame this as my ministry, right? And so just trying to connect with as many people as possible and say, hey, can I share something about this book? Um, creating posts that are, you know, quotes from the book so people can say, oh, this is the kind of thing I'd be reading about. These are the kind of resources I'd be receiving here. Um, and just kind of spraying the word as organically as possible. Last thing, what do you remember about your NLC experience? It was a couple of years ago. Uh, when you think back on, on that six months with your Institute crew, uh, what kind of things come to mind? Hmm. I, I think I remember fondly just really getting to be in an environment where I got to think 
about what are my long-term objectives? Like, where did I want to go with my career and my life? What kind of life was I trying to create? Um, something I, I teach grad students now, and that's something I've actually used with them as some of the NLC exercises about, you know, wh where do you want to end up in 10 years? Not just very abstractly, but on a very um, kind of practical, pragmatic level. Um, and so that's something I think I really enjoyed about that experience and um, continue to reflect back on. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to check out the episode description. We'll drop the link and more information about Laura's book in there. Check it out. Get it all the places you get your books. And of course, you can get all the episodes of The Zag, all the places you get your podcasts. SoundCloud, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.